My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. We came in really hot at the start, just really trying to amplify every grassroots call to action we could find and directly tie it to elected officials and just make as much noise as possible. And within that first little bit, also we started having conversations with people. Other grassroots groups started reaching out to us and we started talking about what are collaboration opportunities? How can we amplify your calls to action? That's the voice of David Alton. He and William Terman are today's guests on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. David Alton and William Terman both have backgrounds in urban planning and both live in Waterloo Region in southern Ontario. Terman currently works as a planner, while Alton works doing facilitation and community engagement in less formalized settings. The two are founding members of a multi-issue grassroots group called Ground Up Waterloo Region. The group got its start when the two of them were out for a walk, and, in Alton's words, quote-unquote, ranting about the failure of institutions, governments, and elected officials at all levels to be truly accountable to communities. However, Alton continued, there was, quote, more substantiveness to it than just ranting, end quote. Both had been peripherally connected to different kinds of grassroots work in the past, but never really in the middle of it. So they weren't quite sure what they could do or what they wanted to do, but they knew they had to do something. Their first step was to create a Twitter account. They were well aware of the limits of online-only activism, but they thought it might be a useful place to start. In that initial phase, but also since then, they've used social media to, most importantly, amplify voices and calls to action from other local grassroots groups working on lots of different issues. As well, they use the account to assertively and relentlessly identify politicians who are not being accountable to their communities and to facilitate residents putting pressure on them. Social media interactions with other local activists and organizers soon turned into conversations about the issues, about the community, about collaboration, and about what Ground Up could do to support the important work that was already happening. As well, they began to have conversations with other people in the community who were not already active, but who wanted to be. Some of those got involved in other groups after learning about them through Ground Up, but some of them decided to put their energies into Ground Up which pretty soon was itself an active, thriving grassroots group. Another priority for Ground Up is to identify and, where possible, fill grassroots community gaps. An important early instance of doing this also ended up being a useful step in building trust with other activists and organizers in the region. The township of Wilmot, the rural area of Waterloo Region where Alton lives, has seen what he described as, quote, some fairly egregious sexist and racist actions, end quote, in recent years, by both community members and politicians. In the spring of 2021, word started to circulate that white supremacists intended to organize a rally in the township. Local anti-racist organizers were already burned out and had faced considerable hostility due to other work in recent years, so in consultation with those organizers, Ground Up decided that they needed to step up and do something. It was a challenging process. 
not least because it was happening in the middle of the provincial COVID-19 stay-at-home order, and initial buy-in from at least some politicians and community leaders turned quickly to hostility and backlash. But they planned a range of COVID-safe ways for people in Wilmot to demonstrate their opposition to racism, and the action was a success. These days, the group meets weekly. Their top priority is always responding to requests for support or action from other grassroots groups. As well, when they have the capacity, they work on their own projects to fill grassroots gaps and build grassroots infrastructure. From a project to push the municipality to make sidewalks more accessible by clearing snow, to longer-term visions for bringing grassroots groups and communities together through an alternative municipal budget process, and a digital community platform to facilitate grassroots action. In all of this, they act in the spirit of what they call messy activism. They're very clear that they're not experts. But, given the urgent issues our communities face, they think it is important for all of us to take action anyway, without feeling the need to meet unreachable standards of activist purity or perfection. Crucially, though, doing that in a way that isn't just going to make things worse means you have to build relationships, you have to listen, and you have to engage in the work with humility and accountability. I speak with Alton and Terman about the work of Ground Up Waterloo Region. Hi, my name is William Terman. I am a recent graduate of the Master's in Planning at the University of Waterloo. And my research there was on financialization and community development in condos. And I was contributing to research on gentrification and displacement that occurred in downtown Kitchener. And I was also contributing to research with a lot of not-for-profits in downtown Kitchener as well. Since I graduated, I have got a full-time job as a planner. So looking at it from a bit of the opposite perspective. I'm David, and I also have a degree in urban planning. But my focus was always on community engagement practices and conflict and doing research into therapeutic approaches to public conversations. And I ended up working for Waterfront Toronto and Sidewalk Labs, if you are familiar with that lovely journey. Uh, that was the attempt by a subsidiary of Google's parent company to set up what they described as a smart neighborhood in Toronto, an attempt that was ultimately abandoned in the face of significant community opposition due, among other things, to concerns about surveillance, built-in invasion of privacy, corporate power, and just questionable process. And that definitely changed my opinion on the capacity of urban planning as a profession to safeguard the community. and so. I am now shifted focus and I'm exploring theology as a way of trying to engage community engagement from a more meaningful or spiritual or values-based lens. And in the meantime, I work as a facilitator for various grassroots groups whenever they need me. And then I guess when it comes to Ground Up itself, Ground Up WR, Ground Up Waterloo Region, is a grassroots group to try and fill in the gaps between grassroots groups. So it focuses on collaborative, interjurisdictional action and trying to build up the infrastructure so that the grassroots can work together and across the various layers of municipal, provincial, federal action. What kinds of grassroots political work were you involved in before Ground Up? In school, I was very concerned about doing ethical things and getting involved. At UW, there's not really that much social activism. In my master's program, there was a bit more of a sense of cohesion and student identity and the idea of things needing to be done to make change. 
during that, I wouldn't say that I was super involved in many social activist type things. I was involved with student council where I tried to make life better for students, but it was difficult for me to really get involved in Kitchener-Waterloo activism scene for one reason or another. In my research, I wanted to pursue things that were more in the realm of social justice and social activism because I knew that as a professional, I wouldn't really have that opportunity and I wouldn't have the opportunity to explore ideas of social justice or equity. I connected with the Social Development Center and I participated in the Unsheltered Campaign as well, which is a group in downtown Kitchener who have been closely related to and associated with the Better Tent City and unhoused and impoverished communities. So through that, I was exposed to a few more different groups. My interest in activism was always trying to use the system to bring about change. So like in university, I was on the student union trying to work with the systems of student government and university administration. And then after university, I worked for an organization called Climate Action Waterloo Region, which is a merger between municipalities and nonprofits to try and promote climate action. And it was very interesting there seeing the tension between this kind of with the system activism and the grassroots actions, like the grassroots groups that were trying to come up with new ideas and were constantly iterating and creating and pushing for change. Our scope seemed so narrow. And I remember kept butting heads with the leaders there around, like, why can't we include these grassroots ideas alongside, you know, municipal fleet improvements or car share for BlackBerry? The straw that broke the back on that approach was when I was working with Sidewalk Labs, just seeing the, I guess, extent of contempt for public processes in some of those conversations. And so moving forward, my approach very much wanted to be more centering the grassroots voices and how do I almost like betray these systems or undermine my complicity in these systems. And that's what me and Willis are talking and getting ideas. And that's where Ground Up started as a seed of desire to engage in grassroots in a more tangible way. How did that happen? How did Ground Up get its start? If you've ever been to downtown Kitchener, there is this street called Charles Street, and the entire street is just empty spaces. It's right downtown, and it's got an empty mall, three or four humongous parking lots, and an empty shutdown bus station. So it's just this huge chunk of underused space. And we were walking through it one day, just ranting. And we were like, why don't we just do something? We love to just rant to each other and complain. Could we try and do that in a more productive way? Ground Up started as that vessel to be messy and voice concerns directly. It started very much as a Twitter account to try and hold elected officials accountable in a cross-jurisdictional way from the smallest town council or school trustee to the federal MPP. No elected official was safe from this scrutiny. And if we could start mobilizing and building more infrastructure to try and hold these elected officials accountable and identify new people who are more connected and accountable to the grassroots, then that would help build momentum for community transformation. We were quite angry at how all of our elected officials kept saying stuff and then just not following through on them. Like just issue after issue and the counselor for our ward might say, oh yeah, I support this, but then vote the other way. And then it might be an issue for the provincial politician to say, oh, I support this, but then they would never comment on local issues. And this is also kind of in the period following the first BLM march that was in Kitchener for reallocating, for defunding the police. And you had all these politicians saying, we support that. 
but then unanimous support for budget increases for the police. There was more substantiveness to it than just ranting. There was a sense that we should be happy enough with, you know, our elected officials who were branded as progressive, but they were still not following through. There were really strong grassroots voices that organized the BLM rally that summer. Like there were clear demands coming from the grassroots. But we felt that maybe, especially from our experience volunteering with the Unsheltered campaign, that maybe there was a bit of siloing between these different projects. So you'd have like, you know, a group focused on housing, a group focused on justice, a group focused on climate, and they were doing really great work, but there was nothing to kind of bring them together and support them across these different areas. And so we saw a gap there. So it was one around accountability and then two around this grassroots collaboration infrastructure building. And so we created a Twitter account right there and we just started making some noise and it happened right around the time of the budget discussions around the police budget. And so we jumped right in there and we're trying to use this platform as this kind of anonymous collective voice to be like, you know, Tom Galloway, you might show up to these rallies and say you care so much about racial justice and yet you voted in favor of the police budget. That's a huge misalignment and reallocate water the region has some clear demands. Why aren't you following through with them? All these different groups have a very specific focus, and they already have a lot on their plate to you know, organize huge marches and to figure out what the needs of the unhoused are and how to actually meet those needs. But who's watching the people in council and who's calling them out for their BS, I guess? And also, how can we get involved without talking over people who have legitimate concerns that we actually want to magnify? Maybe that's a space where we can fill. When it came to the Twitter account, obviously there's limits to online organizing. Online organizing isn't people on the ground. It isn't canvassing. It isn't helping people with their problems. But there is a certain almost vulnerability that people in power have online. Like it's a place of their egos. It's a place filled with politicians and media figures. And so if we could, I guess, almost manipulate that vulnerability to try and create some leverage and create some opportunities for these other grassroots organizations that were doing so much great work on the ground. It really started with someone in the community would complain about something and then we would show up and make sure every relevant elected official's email, phone number, all their contact info was right there in every single message so that it was really clear that like you have a concern, well, like we're going to direct you directly to the voices of the people who need to hear that concern. And that created a certain degree of buzz, I guess, at the beginning. I don't know. We came in really hot (laughs) at the start, just really trying to amplify every grassroots call to action we could find and directly tie it to elected officials and just make as much noise as possible. And within that first little bit, also, we started having conversations with people. Other grassroots groups started reaching out to us and we started talking about what are collaboration opportunities? How can we amplify your calls to action? We had conversations with elected officials about their vulnerabilities and their limitations. And then just also a lot of conversations with people who were like, I've been looking for a way to get involved. Like, I care, but I have no idea where to start. And thank you for just creating this opportunity as like this place to get information, get connected and be this kind of centering point for all these grassroots causes. So that's kind of the first wave and then starting to have these kind of initial conversations. To frame the starting stage, it's really important to frame it in our overall approach, which is like, we're not expert activists, we're not expert organizers, but to overcome the crises that we're facing, all these challenges, we need to get there somehow, and we need to help other people to get there as well. Our approach was messy activism. We are messy activists. We're doing our best to bring things to the spotlight, and we're building relationships. If you're messy and you just kind of leave your mess alone, that's causing more harm. 
we shouldn't be doing that. It's more damaging to do nothing. You know, you're not accomplishing anything. You're not having a conversation by being quiet. But if we are messy, we should be building relationships. If you are framing all of the things that you're doing as like, okay, I'm not going to be perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. But framing that in the sense that I'll make mistakes, but I'm going to stand behind them and I'm going to continue to like build on these relationships so that we can work together, right? You can't really make relationships if you're just sitting at home, not engaging in these things. So you actually have to get out there somehow. If everyone's too scared to do anything, if we're just trying to be perfect all the time, we're not actually going to do anything. And I think that leads into our anti-racism rally. So Waterloo Region, it's three cities and four townships. And one of the townships is called Wilmot, a rural, suburban vibe of a community. I have lived there for many years, and it's had some long-standing issues with a mayor who was engaging in some fairly egregious, sexist, and racist actions. And then also there was a lot of tension. There were three female counselors who every meeting were just getting railroaded by community members and by other counselors and were just experiencing a lot of harassment. Also, there was a chief of staff who was causing a whole lot of problems too in the community. A year prior to the founding of Ground Up, there were some local organizers who had been mobilizing to remove the Sir John A. Macdonald statue that was right outside Town Hall in Wilmot. All summer long, they were having little gatherings and community education things every week, but they were experiencing a tremendous amount of backlash from the community. And like literally all summer long, white supremacist little gangs would just intimidate people or they'd be these youth who would just come and get really up in the organizer's face. And then that spring, news came out that there was going to be a White Lives Matter rally being organized for May 8th in Wilmot. And we took it very seriously because of what we experienced the summer before. And so that's where we decided to try and leverage this little platform we created to do something and organize a rally in response. And this was in direct collaboration with some of the organizers from the summer before. They were very upset about this, but they were also burnt out. And like, I mean, the amount of harm that they had experienced, we didn't want to put them in that position again. And so we're like, well, they took the lead last time. So let's us take the lead this time. The Indigenous activists from the summer before or the BLM activists, they had all made some very clear calls to action. So we're like, we will just take these calls to action and make sure that we have bodies there to make a statement that Wilmot needs to change. And so that's what we did. The challenge was that this happened right at the beginning of the stay-at-home order, which had made all public gatherings illegal, which caused a lot of apprehension in the organizing we pull together these town hall meetings where we would bring together church leaders and community leaders, elected officials, and then any grassroots organizations, anti-racist organizations, we invited them to participate. We had several of these conversations and they started out really promising, but then the closer we got to the date, the more things got hostile. At the last minute, all these allies and all these institutional leaders, they all backed out and some of them in very aggressive ways. But we knew that there would be people who would show up. There were people in the community who did care. And so we plowed on and focused on making sure the event would be as safe as possible for them. There were four ways to participate. Anyway, I think the day was very successful. We had 50 people show up. We had lots of people online. And at least from what we've heard in the community, it was meaningful that two random white folks took the energy and effort to try and you know take a stand against white supremacy and do so in a way that still centered the voices of anti-racist leaders, minimizing the level of harm that they were exposed to. We then also did face a lot of backlash from the government actors who were involved, and that was a little legal saga we had to go through. Stepping back from that one specific action, 
Talk a bit more broadly about the kinds of relationship building you've engaged in, and how that moved the group from being, you know, two random white guys with a Twitter account, to a functioning group with what seems to be a, a fair level of trust with other people doing grassroots political work. Well, I think the anti-racism rally was probably a really important step for building trust. And when it comes to how we built those relationships, I think we were just very upfront about our own abilities and you know where we were coming from, what we wanted to do. We just we reached out and said like, hey, this is what we want to do. Do you have anything that you'd like to contribute? Or is there anything that we can put forward for you? I think the relationship building piece is actually one of the areas where I don't think we have been maybe the strongest. And I'm sure there are probably still some people who don't fully trust us yet in grassroots communities. There's a certain degree of protectiveness, rightly so, due to the legacies of trauma. And we didn't like go through each of these groups and try and reach out to them in a thoughtful way. We were so focused on just like, let's just do. We'll just do and do and do. And I think that's become our relationship building thing. Consistently putting ourselves out there in a way that shows that we're not in it for ourselves. We were going to build something bigger and trying to show up and amplify other people's voices as much as possible. And I think that's become the tactic. And so through the anti-racism rally, through our support of many campaigns for like the ACB network, which is the African-Caribbean Black Network, or any grassroots groups ask anything of us, we say yes, and we just do. And so that posture of just messily doing and consistently showing solidarity, I think that has endeared trust to many people in the community and we're grateful for that. But yeah, I I don't know if it is the best method, like maybe we should have been really thoughtful in reaching out in the right way. And maybe that's something we'll still need to do down the road. Roundup's grown a lot. It's very much started as Will and Me's project, but over the year, Various people who were looking for a space to connect or various people who represented these various groups, they now are actively collaborating with us on the regular. And so we meet weekly and sometimes it's represented in one group, sometimes it's just people who were looking for a way to get involved and they show up every week to try and find a way to get involved. So that's the biggest shift now is that through this process of doing and showing up, now we're not doing alone. We are doing with much more people who are now part of the Ground Up project. And what kinds of things is the group up to these days? Because we are very responsive to grassroots needs, every week we kind of are checking in to see, like, do we have any asks from any of the grassroots community? And so if we do, that becomes our focus. So not too long ago was the second round of budget talks. And so we were very involved in trying to get delegates and develop easy, shareable email templates and communications materials for other groups who were taking the lead on that. But as we go, we have our own projects, and those tend to be things that come from the gaps. So, for example, a persistent gap in the region is around sidewalk clearing. Very few parts of the community have sidewalk clearing, and accessibility activists have been trying to bring about change for many years. But there hasn't been one cohesive grassroots group that's done that. And so because there's no group doing that, that's a project we're taking on. And we're getting a working group together of researchers to build a report and work with counselors on that. That's become like a project because it's a gap. Another one would be some of these collaborative or cross-jurisdictional projects. So one that we're working towards is called the Community Budget Initiative. It was done in Ottawa. They created a kind of community version of the city's budget. And so some people in the community in water of the region were interested in doing that. And because there was no one to take it on, we are taking the lead on initiating those conversations and getting that process started. 
So yeah, a week in the life of Ground Up is we meet once a week and we will see what the grassroots have said. And then we, from there, have conversation and see how we can fill gaps, how we can amplify causes, and also how we can make it fun. There's definitely this, especially with COVID, a desire to keep things fun and social. And so, you know, come up with new social opportunities that are also combine activism and relationship building. One of the things that Ground Up started as one of our own events, but also just like what David said, to do something fun and interesting, but also make connections with that, is a community bike ride. So a bunch of people who have been coming out to our weekly meetings really enjoy biking to get places. And I personally like to bike a lot. And there are lots of bike activists and advocates in the region who are calling for more bike infrastructure and more safe bike routes. So we said, let's have a bike ride. Let's do it every week. Let's invite everyone who can make it. And we're just going to take over the street, encourage people to do things a little bit out of their comfort zone and be a little bit rebellious in that way. And we could have this activist manifestation in this bike ride that would happen every week. And we could also have every week a theme about, you know, maybe one week it's about community housing or the next week it could be about policing. And we'll plan our route based on issues that are happening in the region. And the beautiful thing about this community bike ride is that it gets people out and it gets people doing something and kind of thinking about things in a different way. And then you're able to build those relationships One project that we are continually trying to work on is the idea of a community platform, which is essentially to try and bring together all these calls to action from all these different grassroots organizations into like one space so that it's so much more accessible for a new person to see the realm of, you know, visions. And it's also then so much easier for these groups to work together on these various projects. Our first iteration was let's just send a form to every grassroots group and see what results we get back and then we'll compile that all. But again, I think what we've learned is a lot of grassroots organizations have limited capacity. Many of them are experiencing burnout. And obviously there's this very well-grounded protectiveness around their actions. And so I think it's happening less formally or less structurally, but it's still happening. We're like, as we do these solidarity actions across all these different groups, we are kind of building this informal community platform. And I think as we continue to do that, it's going to be able to become more and more formalized and more and more clear and like how these things connect and how they come together and how other people can get involved. So I think that's definitely our flagship vision project that we're every so slowly working towards. And then the other one I think is that community budget project is another example of let's do that from a financial lens. Because again, we're very action focused. So let's keep it very applied. How do these calls to action look in the budget? And how can we use that as a way to bring cohesion and action on these various conversations? I think we're always looking for what is resonating, like because we do so much and we say so much, we're trying to, again, overcome that idea of being a perfect activist. We are just doing activists. But through that process, as we go, where is the community calling us? Where is energy being built? And we will just keep being this machine that chugs and says and does. And as things resonate in the community, that kind of brings more clarity. It's like we're building this infrastructure, but it's like a Jackson Pollock painting. We're throwing things all over the place and the community is like reflecting back to us what in this process is meaningful and slowly together builds these pieces of collaboration, these pieces of access, these pieces of action for the community. You have been listening to my interview with David Alton and William Terman of Ground Up Waterloo Region. To learn more about the group, go to groundupwr.weebly.com. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. 
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.